Welcome back to Drive Through HR. Uh, this is Dwayne Lay sitting in the captain's chair. And today we are here with Mark Hutto. Uh, Mark, welcome. Nice to have you on the show. Hey, thanks, Dwayne. Glad to be here. Appreciate the invite. Absolutely. So for the folks listening, uh, tell them a little bit about who you are, what your organization does, uh, and what they should know about how to engage with you. All right. Uh Let's see. I'll try to hit it in that order. Uh, uh, I've been in talent acquisition in a corporation for 15 years, and then I uh, really wanted to scratch an entrepreneurial itch about 15 years ago, and I started this company, Reveal. Um, having been a customer of multiple different kinds of firms, I just had an itch to do something pretty different that kept candidate, recruiter, and hiring manager aligned and uh, opening a recruiting firm that did contingent or retained or something like that just wasn't for me. Um, so we have a, a very different kind of a model. Um, we can talk about that. Uh, but um, the two corporations uh, really, it's not one was a corporation. It's a, a what is now Wells Fargo. I was a part of that company before Wells Fargo bought them, Wachovia, First Union before that. I think, I think I've heard of them. Pardon? Yeah. Small banking organization, yeah. yeah. Um, and then Deloitte, I was with them for a short period, running a recruiting group for them as well. And, uh, you know, uh, father, husband, grandfather <laughs> these days, uh, and uh, I'm uh, an avid uh, dog rescuer. So my wife and I have fostered, I don't, I don't know how many, but if you're interested, go to revealglobal.com and go to the about section and check out the Mark's Mutts section. And you'll see all the pooches that we've have, have uh, fostered over the years. That's very cool. Well, uh, we'll come back to that. Um, so you, you touched on a little bit about, you've got a little bit of a different model than what other organizations do in your space. Talk about that a little bit, because I, I think it's a really interesting setup that you've got. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> over time, you've heard some uh, derogatory tone, at least, and like, oh, it's a recruiter, you know, like something like that, right, that has come up or, you know, butts in seats or, you know, big fees and headhunting and, and that's not the reason that I really enjoyed recruiting from the beginning. The reason I enjoyed recruiting from the beginning was because uh, it was a very cool little role that you get to play in the lives of, of others for a very brief period of time. But it's, you know, think about the awesome nature of it. It's kind of like the favorite movie of mine. Uh, uh, it's a wonderful life, right? You play this little tiny role in someone's life that makes all the difference. Mm -hmm. And so if you get obsessed about that, like, like I have, and like a lot of my colleagues that I work with, it can be a lot of fun. It can be great. You know, our, our vision and mission and so forth is all about changing lives and to have been a catalyst in the lives of others. So rather than, you know, do anything with placement fees, which I think is kind of the culprit, because if it's all about a big payday or nothing, that, that, that can bring about some, some questionable behavior, questionable behavior in others. So we're not a, we're not a firm, we're, we're not a group of people who get any enjoyment out of that. We, we get enjoyment out of the lives and livelihoods of people hiring and being hired. So the, we don't have placement fees. We have an hourly model, um, which is also interesting economically for the hiring manager, the client, because 
if you never have a loss, right? You work a search like in contingency and you work it and work it and you don't get it. Somebody else beats you to it or it gets canceled or something. You got to make up for that somewhere else. And that's on the next client. So when you get paid for every hour you work, you don't have big losses. And so your fees are consequently much lower, but your profit is still fine. Mm -hmm. So that hourly model, we call it progressive search because the clients, it's their prerogative. They can progress as far as they want. They can slow it down, speed it up, or they can take it in-house. But it also allows us to have this unique, you know, um, soundbite of a, you know, in the conversation with a candidate, there's this very unique soundbite of, let me explain that we engage in something called purpose-driven recruitment. And what that means is we don't get paid any more or any less if you get hired. Mm-hmm. We bill hourly for our services. And that means it, it, it amounts to us not feeling any pressure to oversell the opportunity to you or to oversell you as a candidate to the to this client company of ours. Mm-hmm. So that that has this immediate disarming uh, quality to it. You can kind of hear in some cases the relief or the aha and the candidate's voice like, wow, that's different. Why doesn't everybody do it this way? So, um, and, and you know, the, there is a lot of simplicity in placement fees, right? I don't pay you unless I hire somebody that, you know, in exchange for that simplicity, there's higher expenses and less than ideal behavior that is possible. I know a lot of contingent recruiters and retained recruiters that are wonderful human beings and never will, and will never be anything but that. So I don't mean to disparage the entire field. It's just the behavior is more possible. The the less than desirable behavior is more possible under those models. So I understand you don't want to disparage the entire field. So just give us like three names of people that are terrible. Dwayne Lay. No, I'm just kidding. That's fair. I've met that too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I do think it's interesting. So one of my one of my favorite books um, is um, Freakonomics, yeah. and if you if you've read the second one, Super Freakonomics, which was just okay, I think. But one of the things they said in Freakonomics is like, there's no theme to this book. These are just stories we think are really interesting. In the second book, they said, hey, turns out we we lied about the first one there is a theme. We just didn't know what it was. When we look back at it, the theme is that people respond to incentives, just not always in the way you would want or expect them to. And, and that echoes through like everything I see, like that one has hung with me. And this is another really good example. People respond to incentives. If the incentives are when you place someone, you get paid, like that's what you care about. Right. That's and right. I can see where that'll shortcut building relationships. Uh, it at times can curtail ethical activity because who's going to get paid. Right. That's right. Yep. Um, it's a habit that a lot of us fall into that we get addicted to um, is, you know, eating and shelter and those kinds of things. Right. Right. Um, but it's, it's another one of those that always kind of makes my ears perk up a little bit when I hear that kind of stuff. I'm like, yep, that's another great example. It's what behavior are you trying to incentivize? So I can, I can see where that would make a big difference. Yeah, it, it does. And it's uh, you know, for the recruiters who, are not the kinds that the kind of people who high five over who build the last, the most last week or last month, this is a great place for them. You know, I mean, if I enjoyed every bit of my corporate recruiting days, I wouldn't want to do it again. Um, but uh, you know, so there are some people who, you know, they're, they're, they're okay without the large corporate experience any longer, but they don't want a fee driven environment. They love recruiting for, for its core 
purpose, which is about affecting the lives and livelihoods of others. And that's, you know, that's the kind of people we like to hang out with and work on the same payroll with. Yeah. There's, there is something, um, there's something magical about being the one who gets to call someone and say, Hey, guess what? Like I have, I have great news. We're going to change your life. We want you on the team. We love you. You know, we, we want to be with you. Um, the flip side of that is of course is the, Hey, this isn't the right spot for you. And then the, you know, we'll keep you in mind and we'll be in touch and we never will. And we'll keep your resume, even though we'll never look at it again. Um, but, but when you actually get to hand the job to someone, that's been one of my favorite things in my career to get to do in HR. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, uh, you know, when you have to decline someone because they may not have succeeded in the role and you can help them see that, mm-hmm. then it doesn't feel like, you know, you lost. Right. Right. It, it's actually, this is the best decision we believe. Um, it's harder when you've got, you know, two or three great choices and any one of them could succeed. It's just, then, then it may be something more of a cultural thing or something like that. And, a behavioral issue or something that, that, that puts, put them second or third on the list. Those are the tough ones to, to communicate, but yeah, it is really cool to, to not only communicate the good news, but um, it's been my habit from time to time to reach out to people sometime after they were hired in our client company and ask them how they're doing and what, what's uh, positive has happened in their lives as a result of taking that role. And, uh, and then, you know, bringing that back to the team, there's uh, a couple of my colleagues who do that on their own as well. You know, they just chase, you know, they track down their candidate from six months ago who got hired and, Hey, tell me, tell me how it's going. And, you know, just that, that's a, that is a very rewarding conversation for a recruiter to have, to hear what happened as a result of me finding you, right? That most of the people we go after are not applying, right? That's our clients have already done all that. They've posted the job and so forth. Now it's time to go find them and tap them and help them understand if they're, what are the circumstances under which they'd make a, a, a change? Um, and, you know, uh, and we explain the logic, you know, it's, it's possible you'll retire right where you are in the job you're in, but it's very unlikely. Mm-hmm. And so change is imminent. Do you want to drive the change or do you want to let it happen to you and let it happen to you is not a negative thing, right? It can be a surprise promotion. It can be a surprise recruiting call. It turns out to something great. It's just more about, you know, proactive career management and, and you know, really wrapping your head around that. And what does that really mean? What's under the hood on that? So, um, and there's a whole, that's a whole topic in and of itself uh, for now or sometime in the future, but but being able to help people think through that moment of, is this the right time for me to push my career forward or not? You know, it's, it's interesting. I, I don't know a lot of people who take that time to reach back out to either candidates they've placed or just to people they've hired onto their team and said, hey, let's think about what good things have happened for you as a result of coming here. And especially if you've got someone who's six months in, who's struggling a little bit, they're not really sure about the culture where they're still trying to learn their job, learn the ins and outs, you know, they know where the bathroom is, but maybe not on every floor. Um, what a, what a really good way to reset somebody is let's think about like what positive things have happened to you because you took this job and we still love you and things are still great. We want to make sure that, you know, you understand those things too. I think that we, we commoditize people sometimes, you know, you're in the, we gave you the job. Like that's, that should be enough. You should be happy with that. Um, so I dig that approach. I like that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm reading a, a book now, uh, highly recommended to, to people called Business Made Simple by Donald Miller. <clears throat> Donald Miller also wrote Building a Story Brand for Marketers out there that's phenomenal. But, um, but he talks about, you know, uh, that value-driven professionals understand that they, have, that they are an economic model for their employer. They understand that they bring value, either revenue or value in some other way. And they can articulate that and they understand how to, how to p- parallel that, what they bring to the table to the value that they can create in that company. Um, and it, it's sort of a continuation of the, you know, the idea that we're all free agents, mm-hmm. right? The, you know, the, the, I bristle at companies that go, oh, you raid other companies, you steal employees, oh, you're poaching. Like, well, that implies that people are property. Right. Let's start with that. I mean, do you feel like as an employee, you're someone else's property? Of course not. You know, so to get out, get well, whoever gave you that brainwashing a long time ago, you, I'm, I'm going to invite you to free yourself of it right now because <laughs> that is far from the truth. That's interesting. You know, I've I've um, I've had those conversations, and I and I've been in jobs where, like, I've had people call me. I'm like, there's no way I'm leaving. Like, I'm too happy where I am. Things are great. I love it here. And like, no. And I've been in other ones where I'm like, I'll take any phone call I can get. Just call me. I don't even care. <laughs> right. Um, I'll, I'll tell so, you. So what companies were those and who did you report to at that time, Dwayne? Uh, the good ones or the bad ones? The bad ones. Oh, let's get them all out on the table right here, right now. Let's name uh, names, Dwayne. Well, <laughs> I will say this. I, I did have a role um, that I was in. Uh, and this is a long story. I won't tell very much of it. But I, I was asked to um, come speak at a conference in Dallas. And um, I, I wasn't sure I wanted to do it, but I got talked into it. And then the same person who invited me started talking to me about one of her clients she was doing some recruiting for. And she knew that I wasn't looking, but she had a role that would be a really good fit. So maybe I knew somebody. And over the next like three or four weeks, like she would call me and we would talk about it. And every time it sounded a little bit better. And every time it was like, I know you're not looking. I know you're not looking. I know you won't relocate. I know all these things. So you knew, you know, here with me what was happening. And so eventually it was, uh, you know, well, you wouldn't have to relocate, you know. And I was like, really? Oh, oh. He's like, but you're not interested, right? Like, are you, are you interested? I said, well, I mean, I it's like, well, what about like just a conversation with them? Like, would you do that? I was like, you know what? Yeah, I would have a conversation. That's fine. She was cool. So when you come down for the conference, you're actually going to meet with the CEO for lunch at his club. Now he's going to pick you up at the hook, like had an entire itinerary planned for the day and like five or six meetings already set up with his company for me. And I was like, you had this all planned out. She's like, yeah, I've been waiting for you to catch up to, to understand what was happening. You just took a little, yeah. did, um, did she have a lightsaber on her hip? <laughs> well, well, no, but funny that I mind trick story. Here's the thing. I went down there and I met them and I, uh, like two weeks later, I accepted a position with them and went to work for them. And then several years after that, she and I got married. Um, so oh. <laughs> that was critical. married to a Jedi. Yes, exactly. Don't tell her. <laughs> That's why she's not hosting today. It's just me. Okay, good. Um, so let's talk a little bit. Let's do a quick reset. Um, so we're on drive through HR. This is Dwayne Lay in the captain's chair, uh, as I previously mentioned, talking to Mark Hato of Reveal. Um, I, I do want to come back to something we, you and I talked about before the show about um, transparency and about the relationship you build up with your clients. And I, I thought you, you said something in there I thought was really interesting about it was, it was more than just hey, this is what we're going to offer you. Like you really get in and build a relationship and understand each other's practices. Uh, well, it's what I was 
I mean, it's the most comfortable environment for me, right? I mean, when, when you, and it's, I don't, I don't claim to have cracked the code on anything here. It's really just uh, when you work in any company, but in a corporation where you got a lot of recruiters and recruiting leaders and I mean, some great smart people around you and, and it's, uh, you know, like the, um, yeah, I, I got placed to, in, in a position to, in the, in the same company, the bank, 11 call centers, over 10,000 10, hires a year, just in the call centers. And it was 60% attrition in the first 90 days. Um, and we had to fix it. And so stakes are high and there's no time for anything other than focus. And so, you know, when you've been in those kind of situations frequently, then that you go to what, you know, right. And so, why does that have to change just because I'm going to send you an invoice at the end of it? Right. So what do you do to get trust in the room immediately? You share everything you can. That's not inappropriate to share. Right. So here's what it's going to cost us. You don't talk about what you're paying your people. That's inappropriate, but you say, here's what it's costing us. Here's what our tools cost us. Here's what we're bringing to the table. Uh, here's the, the configuration of all of this that's going to make sense. And here's how it's made sense in the past and what it will accomplish. Um, and, and by the way, you, you need to align it to these things, this quintessence factors is what I call it. But any recruiting organization or recruiter should be ready to be accountable for quality, quantity, qu cost, speed, and diversity. And if you've got metrics around that and you've kind of defined success around that, whether it's one search or a big project or an entire recruiting division for their five-year mission, that's good advice. Get everybody on the same page, define success before you begin. And then if you can, you know, articulate how this can, it will unfold. And then you say, here's our cost, what, what we're market, how we're much we're marking it up and what our net income is before taxes. Uh, it's, it's quite disarming, right? Cause you, you're, that's what you would do if, if you're on the same payroll. So what's, is there that much difference between an ongoing paycheck and an invoice? Not really. Right. I mean, you want to make money and if they want to work you down on, on margin and so forth, then you got to have that tough conversation. Like the, the more you work me down, the less enthusiastic we get, the more cut corners we're going to cut. So, um, so it's, it's just worked well for us to, to be that transparent, not only about the financials, but about the tools and the methods and, give them this. I mean, I was on a call today with a, a client about a talent mapping project for, in Europe. And I said, now we're going to talent map all these people, thousands of them for your ongoing hiring needs for the next year or so. Um, the, the greatest concern I have is that your recruiters won't have the capacity and maybe not the training to pursue these people as persistently as we would. So, can I share with you some training material that we use internally uh, that you can adapt for your recruiters? I mean, if I tell you that we're going to leave somewhere between eight and 15 voicemails, forget the end mails and emails and text messages. We'll do that too. But there's also that many voicemails. Do you, do you get a little uncomfortable when I tell you that we're going to leave that many, but do you get relieved when I tell you that we've had four complaints in 15 years for that kind of persistence, but every week we get an unsolicited comment or, or more. And there's a way that you can approach people in a very genuine fashion to, that says, you know, hey, Dwayne, I've, I've left you several messages. I know that. I love the work you did at Ingersoll Rand. I love the work you did at, you know, start naming the employers. I've talked with our client about you, if you have. 
and they're asking me if I made contact with you yet. So please know that we're, we endeavor to be very polite and professional, but also very persistent in our attempts to reach you. That's how we often succeed. So if I don't hear from you today, I guess I'll speak with you or your voicemail again tomorrow. And what, what you just did is you, you, you left this little sigh of relief and this little this smile come out because I can see you on Zoom here. And that's what most people do. When I, when I do that in front of 300 people at a conference, they're like, oh, whew, that's not so bad, right? But, but even that, not everybody's got the, the wind in their sails to do that. Nor, and it might not be that. It's just they just don't have the time to do it. Well, if you ever get tired of recruiting, it sounds like you've got a wonderful future in um, car warranties. Because I know that that's car warranties. <laughs> contact people about that. Right. Um, so, so I'm curious as to when you start working with a new client um, or when someone's considering bringing on a service like yours, what advice can you give for the folks out there listening to help them prepare to be successful in a partnership like that? Like, what should they be doing on their end before they engage you? Well, it's not, it's not unique to us or our model. Okay. Um, uh, we didn't talk about this before, but you'll be p- pleased to know that there's a one page document. I don't know how to make this available to the listeners, but I'm sure you'll give me some guidance on that, but it's a one page document called a success contract. Okay. There's two, don't take the term. So too literal. I, I asked that, you know, just like, it's sort of a handshake, right. That we're going to work together this way. So years ago I started uh, obsessing about something else. And this time it turned into a success contract, but what is it that hiring managers can do or not do that will cause a search to succeed, struggle or fail? Hmm. So the obvious things, right? Like you can let, you can let passive high quality individuals wait and wait and wait and not inform them and string them along and you're going to lose them. That's obvious, right? But there's, so this, this document is, is divided into timelines and covenants. There's two sections. Upper section says timelines, but it says, here's the, here's the amount of time, generally speaking, that should be observed between this step and this one and this one and this one. So, uh, well, I'm going to make that point in just a minute and what just danced through my head. This, the bottom section covenants is really about behavior. Right. So if if you're going to change the criteria throughout the search, it's going to go on for a while because every time you change it substantially, we start over. Right. Those kind of things. And then things that people don't think about that that are trying to make memorable, like the SAT of selection, assessment and selection. What is the SAT? Sell, assess, tell. So what you don't want, none of us want as a candidate is you're sitting in a conference room or wherever. zoom meeting fires up these days and you're face to face with the hiring manager or the interviewer and they go, it's uh Dwayne, Dwayne lay. Okay. So I see you work for uh, you know, they're reading the resume for the first time and you know it. And immediately you're like, Oh, great. You know, especially if you called them to the table, look, you, you ask me, I didn't apply here. Um, the animosity, the, the, you know, the negativity starts to, to go up right then. But if you, if you're meeting with one person after another, and it's clear that they talked about you before you got there and they got prepared and everyone has their two or three points, they're going to sell. Mm-hmm. Like, here's some great things I want to talk to you about with the company and the opportunity. And they're not, they're not contradicting each other. They're not repeating the same point over and over again. And then you're assessing on the same, you know, on your assigned two or three competencies or whatever. And then you're telling them two or three things that they just need to know mm-hmm. to make an informed decision. 
So the success contract is a primer for any hiring manager. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a part of a, here's that other point I was going to make. I'm a part of a small business owners forum and I have been for 10 years and four or five years ago, I asked the group, I said, what do you, what do you uh, think about when you think about hiring people? I mean, do you look forward to it? Let's say it's not about anything negative, like you're replacing someone or something, you know, anything like that, but it's good stuff. You're growing. How do you feel about that process? And I was, uh, um, I was surprised. I was, I, don't, I wouldn't think I would hear it from all 15 around the table. Like I stink at it. I've never been trained in it. I'm afraid I'm going to make a bad decision. Um, I, I don't, I lack confidence. So what most hiring managers won't confess is no one's ever coached them mm-hmm. on the fundamentals. And so if you can hand them a one pager, it says, look, here's a quick tip sheet, some things I got you, I got you through this process. We'll help you. Then, uh, you know, it's a little doctor patient sort of thing that's happening there. I got you. This is going to, it's going to, it's not going to be really painful at all. It's going to be good. You'll feel better after it. No, that's great. I like that. Um, we'll get a we'll get a link for that, and we'll share it out with folks um, after the show. Sure, open book. Exactly. What about for the candidate side? What do you coach candidates when they're coming in to talk to your clients for for them, or if you do, um, to especially for those who are, um, let's say, the passive candidates out there? How do you you get the phone call? Somebody wants to talk to you. How do you prepare yourself to be successful in that conversation? Um there's a couple things that I haven't shared with you yet that um, I'll point to for, for people. I love these resources. Two of them are, I'm a customer to them. And the other one is something we just launched here at reveal. Uh, One is called whole story, W H O L E whole story. I love this company and what they're doing. Um, so all the life experiences you've had that have strengthened certain character attributes for you, like humility, perseverance, and so forth. And maybe it was, a battling a, a tough disease or something like that, that, that taught you perseverance. Well, you know, there's a way to talk about that in an interview that, that translates to my life experiences, bring the following to you as a potential employer of mine. So whole story is a tool, a platform, it's it's tellyourwholestory.com that allows you to think about how to tell your story. Um, And it's less about, you know, technical skills. In fact, it's devoid of technical skills. It's really about who you are as a person. So that's a really good tool. Um, Crystal knows K-N-O-W-S.com is uh, a brilliant uh, platform that, um, uh, a, a bunch of very bright people put together that allows either you can deposit your resume into this tool or you, you turn it onto your LinkedIn profile, assuming you wrote it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it will uh, give a very accurate estimate as to what your operating style is sort of like your disc profile, but really light and lean. And so for a candidate to prepare, it's about looking at your profile and understanding what, what your operating style is. What are some of your blind spots? It'll talk to you about that. It'll talk to you about what energizes you, what drains you, um, what you're like to work with. And some, in my experience in talking to colleagues and people I've worked with extensively in the past, when we've put this tool to, to the test between us, you know, there's sometimes these conversations of, you know, am I really like that? Is that, I don't believe this is true. Well, here's how I've experienced that with you, you know, and it's kind of eye opening. So, um, 
the third thing is uh, I've been doing pro bono career coaching for over 20 years, friends, family, strangers, groups, pretty busy during the recession. Um, uh, pretty busy last year, 2020. And um, uh, we, you know, some folks got into my head about you need to do more with that. So we launched revealtalent.com, revealtalent.com. Reveal Talent Community is the, the, is the tip of that spear, if you will. So there's a course there called Owning Your Career. It's free. That's the, there's five modules in it. That's really what I've been providing to people pro bono for one at a time for many years. We just took the time to invest in building it as a course. It's about 40 minutes if you set through it beginning to end, but it has some thought experiments in it that you don't want to rush. It'd take you three minutes to listen to the video and make some notes, but then you probably want to sit with that for a week or two. And you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you go to that course, owning your career, um, we do, uh, offer memberships. Uh, they're really low right now, early adopter sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can pay for things as you go in terms of career coaching, resume help, and, uh, something that we call a career portfolio. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my futuristic statement is I think resumes in a phone interview or in-person interview alone is going to be laughable someday in the future because there's so many different ways now to get across in, in a very succinct fashion who you are and what you've accomplished. And a career portfolio is a way to do that. Now, Dwayne, I've never felt good about the notion of charging people who need a job for that kind of a service. So what we where I found peace with that is if somebody has spent a sum of money with us and then we introduce them to an employer that they chose, not because we wanted to market them. That employer pays us a landing fee and we reimburse the person fully. And we take $500 off that fee and put it in, put it into a scholarship fund for people who can't afford to even invest a penny. So now I feel better about it. So that's the, that's the operating model there. Uh, There's a guy that our director of talent development, who I met about six months ago, couldn't, he was, he, he, as he said, I was built for this. His name is Mark Allred. Brilliant guy. You'll see his videos all over the site. He's, uh, we, we tend to give nicknames, uh, here at Reveal and his is spokes mm. because he's such a good spokes model. And I don't mean spokesperson. He's a spokes model. He looks like Dr. Strange, you know, from the Marvel movies. Sure. That, yeah. I, and I, he, he can cast a spell on you if you're not careful. Well, I have to go uh, check that out on your site and, and uh, yeah, revealtalent.com. That's different from revealglobal.com, okay. which is the original company. So we're going to, we're going to wrangle up all these URLs, make sure we share them out with everyone with the show um, to make it easier for people to access. These are great tools. Uh, this is great information. Thank you so much for sharing it with everybody. Um, we will make sure that's uh, easy for people to find. Um, I, I'm a tools guy. So anytime I can find new tools that are either free or low cost that are easy to use and, and especially things that can make a real impact on people's lives. I think it's a fabulous thing to share out. So thank you for, uh, for sharing that. Um, we are running close to time here. So let's real quick give everybody uh, a rundown on where do they find you and where do they find your organization uh, online, social websites and all those things. Uh, revealglobal.com is the main company page. Uh, you can email me at, uh, mark at revealglobal.com. That's M-A-R-C at revealglobal.com. Um, and, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, we're an open book. If you just want a, uh, conversation about 
how to solve a particular problem uh, or, or goal with regard to talent acquisition. We'll certainly have that conversation whether you use us or not. That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, enjoy talking to you. Um, I, I think we had a completely different conversation than we did in the pre-show. Uh, so which tells me we should do this again sometime. I think we would find more than enough to, uh, to fill a couple more episodes. Uh, thanks for having me again, Dwayne. It was an honor. Absolutely. Thanks very much. Thanks.